Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Square Off. This is T.R. Smith and I'm joined by Shane Rogers, who was also the host of Midnight Facts for Insomniacs. I had emailed Shane um, a couple links about a couple of polls that have been done over the years. And this is not in the news this week, but it's, it's something that's just kind of out there. I thought it'd be fun to get Shane's opinion on this. There's been at least two or three polls over the last few years surveying Republicans and Democrats and conservatives and liberals, trying to understand who's happier, um, who has higher life satisfaction, who's happier just in general with you know, their overall happiness level. And they seem to show pretty consistently a slight edge that Republicans and conservatives are happier than uh, liberals. Now, I have my own theory on this. Uh, but I want to get I want to get Shane. Shane said he's he's already thought about this even long before I emailed him. He said he's been pondering this. So I want to get Shane's uh, take on this. Yeah. So let me preface this by saying that what I'm going to say is kind of inflammatory. But I <laughs> absolutely do agree with this. I do in a lot of ways really envy conservative people, especially like this small town kind of conservative who's very invested in their community and, you know, very comfortable in their in, in their life and their beliefs, uh, because I think that that's a great mindset for you. I don't know that it's good for the world, but I think that for you, it's a very comfortable place to be. So this is going to come off. Now, the rest of it I'm going to say is super is going to be <laughs> offensive. The, it's going to come across as patronizing. And I guess I, I don't really have a way to apologize for it because I stand by what I'm about to say. And I, first, I want to put aside the idea of happiness because I don't think that's actually a good goal in life. And we can that's a totally different uh, debate for a different day. But regardless, I absolutely do agree that conservatives, I would say, are more satisfied with their lives. And the reason for that is that the happiest people that I've ever met in the conventional sense of happiness were either not very smart or they were delusional. Complexity is scary. It is a scary thing. We are afraid of things that we don't understand. Conservatives tend to be less educated. They often have a very simplistic worldview. You know, foreigners are evil. Uh, my neighbors and fellow Republicans and the people around me that I know are good and virtuous. Oh, now and Shane. Now Democrats Shane. and socialists are the enemies. <laughs> 100%. I totally believe this. Life without shades of gray is very comforting because it doesn't require any soul searching to parse out the details and like the subtleties and nuances of life. And one of those articles that you sent me, it said that religion is not really the reason for this. It's not the primary reason. And I think that's absolute BS. I am actually really interested in this subject. And like I've said, I've read a lot of studies that link religion, conservatism, and so-called happiness. And, you know, the biggest fears that a human being struggles with are like the uncertainty of the future, death, uh, the existential terrors, right? But if you believe that there's a man in the sky watching over you and he has a plan and everything happens for a reason and you're going to live forever in heaven, you don't have to deal with existential crises. And I think ignorance is bliss. And I don't think happiness should be a goal in life. People, people who have changed the world historically have not been happy people. They are constantly seeking and questioning and dissatisfied with the status quo. Happiness, if you've read like Brave New World, it's a great analog for this because we could create a drug that will make you happy all day long. Chemistry can create happiness. Happiness is cheap. Angst and longing and dissatisfaction with the status quo, those are the basis of invention and progress and art and everything that matters. And there is a reason that conservatives aren't represented in the arts. They're not making great movies or songs. And that's because art and 
and and progress, those are in the cracks of life. Those are in the messy details, and that's how we get from here to there. And so that was my, I told you I had a lot of thoughts on this. Now, and, that was a real tirade. This is Shane's virtual <laughs> tirade on the show, I think. I don't, I wouldn't say it's, I mean, that is, I'm just pouring out kind of my thoughts on this, and I'm happy to hear your perspective. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of put aside everything that you just said. I'm going to just give you my theory on things. Well, one of them, so in one of the Pew Research polls, I'll read just a short paragraph here. Um, on one question, how do the rich become rich? Um, there's a similar partisan gap. Some 59% of Republicans say the rich uh, became rich mainly through their hard work and ambition. Just 35% of Democrats agree. The majority of Democrats, 52%, say the rich got rich mainly through good connections or being born into it. Just 32% of Republicans agree. Um, these partisan gaps persist through all levels of self-identified class. So, you know, I think, and you know, my, my goal isn't always just to bring it back to money, but like, you know- Are it, we it, saying you know, that money is happiness or is that where we're- <laughs> That's not I'm what I'm confused. saying. No, that, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying that, that, that was sort of one, it's one example of how- Because Republicans on the whole, you realize like right now, the base of Republicanism is blue collar, uneducated and not necessarily wealthy. Well, it's, it, I mean, it's a mix of all those things. Um, but just to go back to the point about... Percentage-wise, though, that's that's actually the overwhelming base of the Republican Party. Yeah, it, yeah, it is a white... It's sort of white, working-class, non-union people are... That is that is an important part of the base. But, I mean, the, the Republican base is a lot of things. It's it's older people. It's, in some cases, wealthier people. But it's not it's not completely skewed towards, like, wealthier people. I mean, even even in some of these surveys, they talk about... In the surveys, you have on average Republicans, the median household income for Republicans was much higher than the median household income of Democrats in these surveys. Um, so there's there's a lot of different demographic stuff that you could sort of take a perspective on it and say, yeah, well, I, I, I'll go find some. I could certainly find some different statistics because Democrats tend to be more well-educated. They tend to be in more urban environments. Uh, that's, I, I don't know that that's true. I would say on average, I could understand that because certainly the, the really, really rich Republicans skew the skew the statistics. But if you're saying median, I don't know that I agree with that. I'd, I'd be interested. Well, you know, we, I can try and fact check this in real time, but you know, the other thing to keep in mind, I mean, I know, I think both sides, I think sometimes fall into this trap of saying, well, the other side is full of rich elites. Um, and there are times when both sides are right. There are times when both sides are wrong. But you think about like, you know, you, you mentioned Manhattan. I, by the way, I, I like New York City. I've been there. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great place to be. Um, Manhattan is filled with overwhelmingly Democratic voting households. At the same time, uh, it's also one of the richest places in the world, both in terms of what you have to pay to live there and just in terms of the incomes of all the bankers and the artists and the old money that live there, it's a very wealthy place and it's skews um, in favor of the Democrats. And that's not an isolated example. It's true if you look at Los Angeles, San Francisco, a lot of these big coastal cities, they're disproportionately left-leaning and they're disproportionately wealthy. And it's not like it's some tiny sliver of the population that's rich and those are all voting Republican. I mean, it you know, th these things can go hand in hand. And to your point, there are plenty of you know, oil tycoons in Texas that are Republicans. Um, but I'm still confused, time, though. How are you, you know, conflating money with happiness? It's a question of the worldview that we have, right? It's a question of, you know, you and I obviously see the world differently, right? We look at 
the way income is distributed in the country. And I wouldn't say that it's perfect by any means, but I would say that you have a lot of people who worked very hard to get where they are. And that tends to be more the rule and not the exception. On the other hand, you have people on the left who will say, no, no, no. I know far too many rich people that got there just because their parents were rich or their parents had a connection or whatever it is. And that, that, and I think that that seems to embed some unhappiness in those people on the left who feel this sort of internal struggle, this internal sort of tension of like, ah, this is so unfair that, you know, life is not fair. I think conservatives are more willing to say, it doesn't matter if the world is fair. You know, I mean, I, I tell my seven-year-old, you know, the world the world isn't always fair. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just how life is. It doesn't mean that we can't make it more fair, but like, you know, I mean, you look at people like Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, all these people, they didn't come from tons of money. They were entrepreneurs who started a new company and they achieved great financial success. And conservatives look at that and they say, yeah, that's part of the American dream. In, in my anecdotal observations, it feels like there are people on the left who they maybe they're obsessing about the negative more than they need to, is, is, is I guess where I'm going with that. Well, I think you're still equating success no, and I'm especially not, you're talking about the, monetary no, success. It's, no, no, it's the filter, it's the filter of how you're viewing like the status quo, right? You so are though, you're like, saying you are both looking at the status quo. This is this is that this is really not about the money piece. It's a question of it's a question of fairness, right? Like, do we think the American system is relatively fair or relatively unfair? It just again, take the money, the money piece out of it. Okay. So like, yeah. Yeah. I think that goes back to what I said, which is that it is very easy to see the world in simplistic terms that fairness doesn't matter. It is the way it is, is yeah, that's a very uh, comforting way of thinking, I guess. And also, yes, absolutely a hundred percent inaccurate. And in this country, the, how hard you work has never been tied to your level of success. If that were the case, slaves who worked the hardest in the early 1800s would have been the most successful people in America. It is not about the sweat from your brow. It is absolutely about your what you were born into, what opportunities you had. And so, yes, I think absolutely liberals and, and people who are on the left do see the shades of gray and the complexities and the unfairness of the system and desire to change it. Whereas I think Republicans, for the most part, because they are more... Uh, they tend to, even though, I, like I said, many of them are not well off, they tend to be comfortable. They tend to at least be, you know, be able to put food on the table. Um, and they are mostly white and they're mostly comfortable with their place in society. And that is, and they're happy with that. They, they like the status quo. And yes, people on the left, even my parents, again, who are very, doing very well monetarily, do see, they're very liberal and they do see the inherent unfairness of the world. And that is a, a cause for them. That is something that, that drives them. And they could just sit back and be happy and say, oh, well, it is what it is. But yeah, they're not, we're not happy with that. We're not comfortable with that. I just wish you could be happier, Shane. I don't want to be. And again, <laughs> I, I think being happy is overrated in historically. I, I also think happiness is fleeting. I, I, I think that if you're, if you're always hap happy, there is something wrong with you. You are probably delusional. Uh, happiness is something that we should experience when something good happens and when, you know, I have a good day or it's sunny outside. Um, 
there are things that should make us happy, but we shouldn't walk around in a perpetual state of happiness because that's literally craziness. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't want to accept the status quo. I don't want to just be content. And I'm, but I, again, I do envy people who have that simplistic worldview. I think it's bad for America and it's bad for the world, but I think it's great for them. I think people who are very comfortable and very happy with the, the simplistic way that they view the world is, uh, is very comforting and it must be nice and i'm glad i'm not that person <laughs> all right well for the record <laughs> i reject most of what shane said about the, <laughs> you know, the simplistic worldview but you know again i think what i what i come back to is just i just wonder is is there some i get what you're saying about being reform-minded right that like liberals want to reform everything and that's fine and, and, and there, there are a lot of things that conservatives want to reform too there are a lot of things we want to change it, just because we think that you know on balance, the U.S. is more fair than it is unfair. Uh, that doesn't mean that we are satisfied with the overall level of fairness. There are plenty of things that we could change. Um, and we could talk for hours and hours about, well, who's really to blame? Is this a government failure? Is this a market failure? Is this a business failure? You know, what, what, are, the, what are the roots of all these problems that we face? That, that, that would take uh, you know, many, many hours, and hopefully we'll, we'll devote the hours to that um, down the road. But I guess what I'm just wondering is, is there something about liberalism today that there's some element of pessimism built into it. You know, even the same thing with climate change. Now, I know you'll tell me that climate change is a massive problem and we should be worried about it. And that's fine. I wouldn't even argue that point. But I would just wonder, like, I also talk to people who who just seem to be sort of consumed by the fear of the future, right? Global warming just being sort of one issue that sort of typifies that, that that, you know, they have trouble enjoying a sunny day because they're worried about global warming. <laughs> and I think that... I, I just wonder, you know, is there an element of the political left that kind of goes too far in creating that fear? Not just saying, oh, let's be reform minded, let's make things better, but just sort of embedding some fear that like things are not going to work out and, you know, we're headed towards a worse and worse future. What's your take on that? Yeah, I don't know if it's a fear or if it's realism. I do think that people on the left are not, again, willing to accept the status quo. I think it is a different perspective. I think, here's a, a question, and I don't know how you feel about this. Do you believe, would you say, as many Republicans would, that America is the greatest country on earth? I think it depends how you define greatest. But I think that th there is something exceptional about America, and you look at the, you know, <laughs> the battles we fought, both literal and figurative, that sort of puts America in kind of a unique place to say, you know, we've, we've stood up for freedom and democracy in a big way that has benefited the world. And, you know, in terms of what we provide to the world in terms of new technology and everything else, that, that puts us in kind of a unique position of being a very special country. I think America is unique and special in a lot of ways. And I see the good and the bad of America. I certainly don't think it's the greatest country on earth. And I think that a lot of Republicans and conservatives Again, that's it's a very limiting and limited worldview. It's a very simplistic worldview. I've been to my ex-girlfriend was Dutch. I've been spent a lot of time in Holland. I've been to Germany. I've been to France. I've been to you know around a, a so lot is, of Europe. So is there is there a greatest country? Been I mean, to can Canada, you pick the and greatest England. country. Canada See, again. 
I, I don't I don't think that there's a greatest country. So I think yeah, we agree I mean, it's, on that. It's like but, saying, well, who's the most but, beautiful woman in the world? There is no one but, most beautiful woman in the world. You know, Right. But most Republicans would disagree with you. The conservative viewpoint is that America is the greatest country on earth. And trust me, I know this because if you talk to any conservatives for the most part and say that America is not the greatest country on earth, they will go ape crap. The the idea that, you know, we hold on to this patriotic fervor, these unrealistic, very oversimplistic worldviews, that is something that I see in the conservative party. I see this blind patriotism, this idea that, you know, America is the best and don't you ever question it. Well, you know, go somewhere else and take a look around. There are, I think that in Nordic countries, I think in Canada, they have a lot of the systems that they have in place are just better than ours. Now, that doesn't mean I necessarily want to move there or that we don't have some advantages as well. And I think America, like you said, has been very innovative and done some great things. But I think, again, I, you know, I always use the word nuance because I think that's something that's missing from the modern conservative party is that it's so simplistic. It's so easy to put your your hands over your eyes and say, la, 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 everything's great. And it's not. And <laughs> and and it's not if you're you know if you're anyone other than a middle class or upper class white person, and so that is that is reflected in the demographics of the two parties, and that's reflected in the perspective of the two parties. Now, all that being said, if I had to pick one country that comes to mind as the greatest country, I'd probably have to say the USA. <laughs> See, and I wouldn't. I would. I I think America's great, and I wish I were born in a Scandinavian country. Or even yeah, but see, but but that comes back to why why I was hedging. Also, is that it it depends on how you define like well, what is it you're looking for in like in like the quality of life? And trust me, I get I get the appeal of the Nordic countries. I get the appeal of other countries that have a certain culture, uh, which, by the way, it, it sort of comes full circle because when when you look when you look at the polling data of why conservatives are happier, it, a lot of it comes back to they have closer social connections in their communities whether it's their church or their neighbors or their schools, or they have children and they're friends with the children and the, and the families of all the friends and whatnot. They, they, have, they have more of those, there's more of that social tissue of, of conservatives that live in those communities that, that give them greater life satisfaction. And from what I've seen anecdotally, there's some of that in the Nordic countries too, that there's more of that um, sort of social tissue that connects people to that. So the reason I, I don't want to answer a question like, well, is the USA the greatest country in the world? I understand like you, you can cherry pick certain metrics and say, well, the USA is behind this country on this. And it's like, okay, I get that. You know, I, I'm not saying <laughs> that we're number one in every category, but I, but I would say that, you know, I can't tell you the entire history of like all the Nordic countries and what their involvements were in like World War I, World War II and the Cold War. I can tell you that most of Europe would be in a much worse position if not for the great industrial economy and the great military of the USA in the 20th century. So there, there are things like that where the USA does historically has provided protection, freedom, democracy to places that otherwise might be living in tyranny, including much of Europe. And so I think all those things kind of go to, go to this question of like, yes, the USA tends to dominate on the world stage, but is there any other country that you would pick to say, no, I would rather this country, country X, should dominate the UN and dominate on the world the, stage. The it's idea not, of yeah, go ahead. the idea of dominance is uniquely American. That that to me is part <laughs> of the problem. Is that other countries aren't looking for a country to dominate them. We are looking for which country should be dominant it's and not should dominating, be. But like which, it which is cult, though? Which country is the that, most and, and, influential? Which country is the most and influential? And you on say, the world stage? 
And even if you wouldn't say it, would you say that it's a fair statement to say that most Republicans and conservatives would say without question that America is the greatest country on earth and don't have the sense of nuance and aren't willing to entertain that there might be some things we can learn from other countries? Well, again, I think it depends on what's implied in the question, right? Because, again, the USA is not number one in every category. But you, you can survey plenty of Democrats to say, out of all the countries on the planet Earth, <laughs> which one do you think is the greatest? Or which one do, would you want to see have the most influence on the world stage? I think most Democrats, or at least a plurality of Democrats, might say, uh, yeah, the USA. I don't know that that's true. But either way, they certainly wouldn't say it's the greatest country on earth the way the way Republicans would. It would be a more nuanced answer, whereas Republicans and certainly the base of the Republican Party and conservatives have decided that patri blind patriotism is a virtue. And that is, again, a symptom of a of a very simplistic worldview that allows you to be very comfortable in your own position in life. And you're, it's great to live in the greatest country on earth. Thank God, you know, but that's not realistic and it's not, and it's not necessarily rational. There is no greatest country on earth. Again, like you said, that's not even a real thing. That right, it's not sense. even a real thing. So what are we even arguing about? <laughs> because we're arguing about the fact that Republicans think it is, that Republicans are not realistic, that conservatives have conservatives have blinders on. And that to me, and yes, I will agree that there is a correlation between community, uh, especially church-based. And that is, I am very, again, envious of religious people. My ex-girlfriend was very religious. And I remember when we broke up, she had this, it didn't, it wasn't hard for her. We had had this very intense relationship and we broke up. She said, it's God's plan. And if it's meant to be, we'll be back to get, we'll find each other again. We'll come back together. And she was able to get past it so easily. And for me, I was so envious of that. I was like, oh my God, that's such a great way to look at it. Like, but as an atheist, I don't believe that. I don't believe everything happens for a reason. I think it just sucked that we broke up and I had to deal with the fallout of that. And she really <laughs> didn't because she had such faith. And I have, and I 100% envy that. I, and, and I do think it's great for community. I think church is amazing for building a community and really having support. It, it's basically a social safety net without the government. And that's wonderful. Uh, I do think, again, it's delusional to, to believe that there is a band in the sky who's running the, the who cares about your particular life is straight up delusional. And it feels great, but it's nonsense. And that, to me, is the Republican Party in a nutshell. <laughs> Yeah, okay, but, but Shane, tell us what you really think. <laughs> I don't hold back. I don't see any reason to. <laughs> this is uh, called a debate, Joe. I mean, I, you know. All right, so to recap, so to recap, Shane thinks that Norway is the greatest country in the world. Shane, <laughs> Shane thinks that all Republicans are simplistic people. All hail Sweden. It's all blind. It's nothing but blind patriotism and ignorance of how the world works. Uh, yeah, pretty but, much. But he's envious of these people. <laughs> Secretly, he yeah. wants to be one of these people. That's, that's what we've learned today. <laughs> that's probably all true mm -hmm. <laughs> all right well it's going to take a couple years to really unpack everything that Shane said today. <laughs> uh, at some point i'll have to transcribe this episode and go line by line and you know we'll we'll, we'll spend we'll spend like an hour parsing out every piece of this but i told you i had thoughts on this one yeah all right <laughs> well and hopefully the audience can listen to both of us and decide which of these two people sounds happier? <laughs> and which of these two people sounds like perhaps they've built 
their own worldview inside their own mind of, of what is good and what is not good and what is causing tension inside their minds. And people can choose which of us identifies as that person and which of us seems like maybe they're grounded in reality. They understand what's happening in the real world, but they're, they're emotionally equipped to, to deal with obstacles that come their way and, you know, still think that uh, the sun's going to rise tomorrow and things might still be okay. People can decide which of us belongs in which camp. Uh, for themselves. <laughs> Absolutely. You have a choice between rationality and delusion. Choose wisely. <laughs> Choose wisely. All right. All right, Shane, I'll give you the last word. If you didn't offend anybody uh, that you want to offend, I'm going to give you one more chance to offend everybody. Uh, I don't have anything more to say. I, this is fun for me. See, I actually like getting into the philosophical and sort of, you know, you're way more interested in the technical aspects of like the economics of it, which I do find interesting. And I'm glad that we parse into that because that is something that, you know, it, it gives me a reason to go into the depths of that. Uh, but for me, it's it's really all about the philosophical and moral implications of your political worldview. All right. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I do appreciate it. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate that. And we will see you all soon. Thank you.